Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Set the room. We're going to do some hot seat coaching. So i got a couple of uh, clients that want to come on and show how 
quick hot seat coaching works. I know there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of mentees out there. Uh, so these are two of the best out there. Kevin and Alan will be joining us. But uh, Jake, why don't you go ahead and set the room? Yes, I sure will. Thank you, Amelia. Happy holidays, as David mentioned. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy Hanukkah. We're in for an incredible treat today here on Clubhouse, on David's Zoom training, on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, basically everywhere. We've got Kellen Pom Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazaros that are going to start us off with some hot seat coaching with Dave here today. So uh, buckle up, get ready to go, get your popcorn ready. Uh, feel free to use that plus bar at the bottom there. Invite your friends, family, anyone that you think would benefit from this incredible conversation. And then at the end, there will be time uh, for other people to get some hot seat coaching as well. So if you'd like to answer, uh, ask some questions, get some coaching from David as well, feel free to use that uh, back channel bar at the bottom right and back channel me and we will be sure to bring you up. So with that in mind, let's do it. Uh, I'll pass it back off to Dave. And we've got Kevin Allen here on stage, and let's get this going. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Jake. Thank you, everybody. So we're going to do a little hot seat coaching. Go ahead and get your questions ready. I have uh, two of the extraordinary coaches uh, that I coach. Uh, they're, they're amazing, uh, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus. Let's show people how you can get the most out of hot seat coaching. Who wants to go first? Uh, I think in tradition, I always do, so I'll hammer it, Dave. Uh, so yesterday, I had the opportunity to be on a call with somebody, and my intuition said, don't do this, Kev. This probably isn't a super valuable use of your time. And I did it anyway. Dave, when's the last time that you intuition, and what was the result of it? Yeah, so I go against uh, my intuition by understanding what I'm doing to interfere with my intuition. So I think it's first important for people to get the perspective that it's literally impossible to go against your intuition. You can let things interfere with it and then misappropriate or misanalyze. And one of the things uh, that I try to do is identify the triggers or the interference so that I can clear, uh, clear and balance in my depiction of how my decision is aligned with what I want, who I can help, who can help me, and how to get it done efficiently, effectively with statistical success. In other words, I apply my why to the interference. So when you talk about going against your intuition, what you're really doing is clearing the interference uh, between you and the inspired, the intuit. Uh, the intelligence that's beyond your conscious uh, understanding. So you feel like, God, I got this gut feeling, but I'm going against that. It's The gut feeling is the interference uh, a, a lot of times. And so if we instead take a pragmatic approach of identifying what's creating that interference, triggers like the need to be offended or right or separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, or certain people in our lives, we call them family members that trigger us, create interference because now we got a feeling that we're gonna disappoint somebody and live in blame, shame, and justification, worrying about what other people want for us or what's missing or what we don't want. These are all things that when we identify the interference, we now know that we're actually in spirit into it instead of understanding that we're going against something. Right. The only thing that you're going against would be to create resistance. Once you go against something, it creates resistance, creates more resistance. 
So what we want to do is identify, breathe, and then roll in the right trajectory, intuitive tra trajectory. So I think by redefining uh, the gut feeling uh, into understanding that the gut feeling, uh, if it feels good, then that's a good sign, right? There's no interference. But if the gut feeling feels like you're going against, you want to identify the interference when you take the activity or the motion towards what you want, who can help you, who you can help and how to get it done. Does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah, I agree. What Have you had a time like that recently where you didn't necessarily recognize the interference and then you did after the fact? Yeah. So um, with our TV show, um, you know, I was creating a, a lot of interference uh, with uh, the Amazon Prime. Uh, they're much more difficult. And my intuition was to create, right, the get this done, get this done, get this done. And when I identified the triggers of being in control of living in liability, not accountability, all of a sudden, all these opportunities and options, and we're going to have you know, some really big news about the world's biggest stream service, picking up all the shows and creating more con uh, content, including some Glenn Lundy content that we're going to uh, announce as well. So uh, it's a good example of, you know, I, I, my gut was saying I needed Amazon, uh, and Amazon was actually the interference uh, to uh, something bigger or better, right? Understanding if you live in faith, and I'm going to reiterate this because these are two simple perspective mindset uh, decisions to make. One is I believe, and this is my belief, nobody else's, nor do you have to adhere to it. But my belief is that if you believe there's something bigger than you, and that which is bigger than you cares about you as much as you care about your children or your parents care about you. If you believe in those two things, then every time you have interference, every time you have these situations, you'll realize you're being promoted and protected, not punished. That simple rule applies to so many different aspects of your life. But in order to utilize the higher frequency or in order to utilize that enlightenment, you have to believe it won't work unless you believe there's something bigger than you and it cares about you more than you care about your own children or your parents care about you. and how I'd rather have two minutes a day than two hours on a Saturday. And I have this financial calculator exercise that I take my clients and our team through now because I want them to understand basically the compound effect over time. So this client's 24 years old. And I said, how long do you intend on working in real estate? Passionate about real estate, buys and wants to buy and flip, fix and flip houses. He said, honestly, I'll probably work into my 70s, maybe even 80s. I said, okay, let's, let's do 70s. So 24, uh, 70 minus 24, 46 years. <clears throat> I put uh, $100 in a bank account, and not in a bank account, in the financial calculator. Had it grow by 0.1%. I said, do you think you can get 0.1% better every single day for 46 years? you think that's possible? I showed him, and I showed him after one year, after two years, after three years. After two years, you literally have like $217. After 46 years, it's in the trillions. So my question for you, Dave, is why, why aren't more people consistent? Is it because they don't understand that? Because I was talking to Kevin before this, and I told Kevin straight up, I said, I think Dave is more tapped into the compound effect than any human I've ever personally met. 
Um, why is that? Because of adherence. I, I 100 believe, 100% believe that, that Einstein, one of his greatest uh, articulations of truth is compound interest and aggregate effect. And it goes beyond money, right? It, it goes to behavior. Uh, that good behavior aggregates at the same pace as bad behavior. The difference is with good behavior, we expect instant results like we do with money, saving money. We expect that money to grow. And you said, gosh, you know, it's $217. And after just 24 months or whatever it was, people don't understand, right? They don't understand that that's exceptional. <laughs> that's exceptional. That's the aggregate effect. You can see a result. But with good behavior, we expect instant result. And with bad behavior, we never think there's going to be a result that's aligned with our behavior. And so adherence is what I'm really good at. What is adherence? Adherence is the ability to remember what you want to do, the what, who, how, and now, and apply your why, and then do it every day, consistently, persistently, in the pursuit of what you want, not what other people want, what's missing, or what you don't want. Adherence is the glue. Adherence is the power, the discipline. Adherence, the ability to remember to say thank you before you go to bed, thank you when you wake up, and actually do it. These are two things that human beings are resistant to. And the reason they're resistant to it is because they have not trained their mind, just like a bicep, they have not trained their mind to one, remember recollect and remind bringing one to what they want and then they have no pragmatic mechanisms of actually executing on it if you know your what your who your how your now and apply your why every single day if you utilize compound interest and aggregate effects you will get exponentiality out of the emotion the energy emotion that you put forth and that exponentiality will be of like kind to the energy that you put out. So if it's positive, like saving money, or if it's negative, they both will utilize the same rate. And when I talk about rate, this is an important distinction between time. Time creates a resistance. Time's a man-made construct. If you tell yourself right now, I want to make a million dollars by the end of the year, and this is some, you guys are you understand Bob Proctor. This is one of the places I disagree with Bob Proctor because he tells you, be very specific. You want a million dollars by the end of the year. Well, I am telling you in the world of physics, quantum physics and metaphysics, the minute you say that, every second that ticks by gives you more resistance because you're getting closer and closer, less time, and it's a bigger amount in relativity. So in order to adjust that, we think of things in rate. I want to double the amount of money I make as fast as I can. The person who puts an objective that I'm going to double the amount of money I make as fast as I can, which is, by the way, a statement that I created from the rule of 72, which Einstein created, right? If you get 1% better, that it takes 72 segments of getting 1% better in order to double that which you had. Good behavior, bad behavior, or money, it doesn't matter. So rate becomes what creates effortless, resistantless uh, energy compared to I want exactly this at exactly this time because every second that goes by. Here, here's a remarkable thing. If you told me you want to make a million dollars by the end of the year and I gave you $999,999 in second number one right when you said you wanted it, 
you actually would have more resistance to get the million dollars after I gave you that money as each second ticks by than the person that says, I want to double the money and money I make as fast as I can and didn't have the $999,999 in the first second. Energetically, physically, this is mathematically true. Therefore, we want to think in terms of not only consistent behavior, but adherence to the consistent behavior that's aligned with supplementary, synergistic to what? What I want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, who I can help, who can help me, how best to get it done by paying attention and giving intention to the coincidences of efficiency, effectiveness, statistical success, using lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to what? Figure out my priorities of knowing what to do now by applying my why to it, my inspiration to it. Dave's on, Dave's on fire today. <laughs> Dave, okay, what do what you, from your, from your perspective, perspective, think the most, most common spiritual misunderstanding? Wow, God love when I get questions I've never heard before. Um, so the most common spiritual misunderstanding is the relationship to the, the source. Right. I, I, I think that we create separation from that which is uniting. We, we you know, the, the idea of holy, I know they spell it H-O-L-Y, is actually W-H-O-L-L-Y, right? And so I think the most interesting thing is people create separation uh, in spirituality when the idea of spirituality is everything is one and connected at its best and greatest benefit. Uh, not separate and interfering with one another or attacking or putting judgments, conditions on one another. So whether it's in the religious, uh, the dogmatic religions that exist within the context of separation exists uh, because of the secular dogmatic religion, that there's a misunderstanding of what spirituality is. That spirituality uh, is intertwined into religion, but it would have no part of, of separateness you know, of conservative, of fanatic, of orthodox or reform viewpoints or dogmatic secularization or separation of men and women uh, in certain religions. It, this is not energy, right? We are one whole and the more that we increase our scientific awareness, we're starting to realize the vibrational matches of under, understanding that we are interfering with what we already have. The most common spiritual mistake is that I have to go get something. I have to go get healthy, get wealthy, get worthy, get happy. You are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. If you don't have the relationship that you want with the person that you want, figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. If you don't have the job that you want, go figure out what you're doing to interfere with it because there is a vibrational match for you. You just have to clear that interference and allow it to match. Dave, earlier in this in this um, coaching session, you talked about how Kevin felt like something might be misaligned. He did it anyway, and that that is the very thing that might clear the corrosion. How do you know the difference? How do you... How do you know whether or not- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five. 
five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. You're making an intelligent decision if you're going against your intuition, but yet... Yeah, no, this is so... You're overanalyzing it, right? There is no good or bad decision. There's only decisions... And therefore, speed or rate in which we learn from our decisions is the true objective of the decision that we make, not the attachment of your emotions to an outcome of making a decision, but actually learning the lesson from the decision that you make under the context that that decision will result in a lesson that promotes you and protects you, not punishes you. So therefore, whether or not he made the decision based on the interference or the intuition, the true connected truth, there will be a lesson in it. He will either learn to repeat that behavior because it's in line with his spirit or his vibrational match, or he'll learn that, oh, this is interference. Now I'm going to learn the lesson to reduce or resolve or dissolve the interference so that I speed up the rate in which I make the match. Mm-hmm. The follow up, Yeah. So you you say to make decisions based on your core values, yeah, and sort of the cost value analysis of that. How does that come into play when it comes to whether or not? So there's no good or bad decisions, but there are better, more intelligent choices. There are only there are only decisions that are aligned with what you want personally, experientially, giving and receiving, who you can help and who can help you, that are efficient, effective, and statistically successful. The 2022 is the year of prioritization. We are entering a period of abundance. People are feeling overwhelmed. Why? Because overwhelmed feeling is an indication of abundance. There's more than enough. There's too much. Oh my God, I feel overwhelmed. Well, we need to learn in 2022 how to prioritize. And when we learn to prioritize, if our decisions are aligned with what we want, who we can help, who can help us, and how to get it done efficiently, effectively, with statistical success, in the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, We are always making the best decision for us, not the right decision, not the wrong decision. We're making the best decision by prioritizing what's important to us and matching vibrationally to it to get it, learn from it, promote ourselves, protect ourselves, and continue to empower others to do the same because of the connectivity of the oneness of everyone together. So what we want to do is realize that this daily practice, which I will send to everyone, right? I have the five daily practices of what, who, how, now, and applying your why in detail. Email me, david at dmelzer.com. Put your questions in here. Listen to me. If you understand, let me give you an example with money, Alan, okay? People ask me so much financial advice. Should I invest in real estate? Should I invest in crypto? What do you think about NFTs, esports, blah, 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 blah. Look, it doesn't matter because I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know every day, because I take inventory of my values, is my timing and risk tolerance. And if you determine your timing and risk tolerance before making any investment, as long as you have trusted and vetted that investment to align with your timing and risk tolerance, you will never be displeased or diseased with your investment. If you make money, you will be at ease. If you lose money, you will be at ease 
if you have aligned the timing and risk tolerance because you've met your expectations. You knew that you had one in one billion chance of winning the lottery, so you're not disappointed in your investment in a lottery ticket when you lose because you have agreed to align the investment with the timing and risk tolerance of the lottery. If you went into the lottery without knowing your timing and risk tolerance, and you said, oh, I did win, I'm unlucky. How many people say that? No, you're not. You're just extremely statistically successful uh, for making that investment of one in a billion. Uh, but you're not unlucky. You're just not taking the time to understand your timing and risk tolerance. And this holds true with real estate holds true with crypto and NFTs. You got to take inventory of the what, the who, the how, the now, apply your why, know your timing and risk tolerance. And then when you're making the decision, if it's in line with what you want and you learn the lessons, how to get there faster, promote you farther, or protect you from something that will interfere with you, you're better off. Dave, we just crossed our 800th episode. And obviously we've done a lot of podcasting, interviewing, being on other shows. What? Well, let me give you more context. So when I go on a show, I'm always surprised at maybe the lack of seriousness or the fact that they don't do YouTube or the fact that they don't have a microphone or whatever it may be. What are you constantly surprised about that in your mind is just either common sense, common knowledge, or common practice that you can bring to people? He's got to unmute. Sorry, I muted myself on accident. <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it, what I was saying is practice uh, in pre pre preparation. I, I do a lot of interviews like you. You know, I have thousands of episodes of different podcasts that I've not only done myself and do myself, but also have been on. And I'm just amazed how little preparation, like someone would go through the effort to have an interview and not know what they're going to talk about. They don't know the open-ended questions even. So they end up, you know, reading off a sheet, looking down, saying, tell me, right? And, you know, I see it all the time. And it's not easy uh, to extrapolate and to align emotionally, make people feel a certain way in an interview. And what happens is, you know, what good is it if I'm like, so, Alan, tell me what you do. Do you like it? And I call it the sideline reporter problem uh, in sports. Like nothing's more annoying than the interview at halftime in a basketball game on the court when the announcer comes up and is like, oh, you're down 55 points. How do you feel? <laughs> it, it, this is the kind of shit where people aren't prepared and aren't practiced. And so I think, you know, that same idea of consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, do the work, find and ask questions that you're curious or want to collaborate on and get some insights instead of repeating facts of the movie, the TV show, the book. Dave, I have this written down. I have, speaking of preparation, I have five different questions I wanted to ask you. The very first one is, what do you believe is the most underrated or overlooked skill that you have developed in hindsight? Where, where looking back, it's like, wow, that one skill that I worked on that no one maybe even knew I worked on ended up being like so important. Asking. I'm an expert at asking. 
I've created a formula, an open-ended question template to determine if someone has an open mind and open heart and open hands. With the connectivity of everybody today, it's so essential to ask to ask, I'm an expert at asking how can I be of service or value to you without it seeming to be trite or insincere. I'm an expert at asking, do you know anyone that can help me without sounding desperate or needy? I'm an expert at asking multiple times. I, I, I shared this story before, I'm not sure many heard this, but asking so powerful, think about this. You know, I'm blessed to do work with Arthur Blank, the founder of Home Depot. Home Depot has four checkouts. They have the contractor, the consumer, the garden, and the self-checkout. They sell warranties like all profitable companies like that should because they're making huge margins on those, you know, would you like to buy a two-year warranty on your dishwasher or, or your tile or whatever it is. Anyway, the number one sales checkout for warranties aggregated, so there's one of the checkouts that sells more warranties than all three of the others combined is the self-checkout. Why? Because everybody that goes through self-checkout, it says, would you like to buy a warranty and list out the choice? No emotion, no judgments or conditions of, oh, this person can afford it. This person looks nice. This look, person looks mean. Whatever people are doing, they're just consistently asking. And guess what? Triple the results, quadruple the results. So my superpower beyond adherence, because you need adherence to consistently, persistently do anything, you know, that's the glue, is asking. Dave, when you say adherence, are you referring to like, I know that this is in alignment with what I want and this is in alignment with my core values. I'm going to have the self-discipline to actually execute against it. Is that what you mean by adherence? I know that you went through it. But yeah, no, I think it's even simpler than that. Adherence to me is I'm going to remember what I want, who I can help, who I can help me, how to get it done. And I'm going to remember it because I can prioritize and get more done. And I'm actually going to do it. See, what, it doesn't make any sense that everybody knows saying thank you will change your life. It's free. It takes 0.1 seconds. I created a 14-day gratitude challenge for everyone, and I'll give a whole gift basket to you if you complete it. So email me if you want to join. But the reason I did it is I wanted to prove adherence because there's nothing faster, cheaper, and more effective to change your life than just saying thank you. Nothing. And it's proven by the world's thought leaders from anyone you love, Sadhguru, Deepak Chopra, you know, Einstein. They all talk about gratitude, brother, and they all get it for free. And they all can say it or think it in 0.1 seconds. So why don't we do it? Why is it that if I tell you and everyone shakes their head yes, will by tonight half of the people not say thank you, by tomorrow morning another half won't say thank you? Why is it within three days all of us will forget to say thank you? Exactly. We forget, right? We get so caught up in what other people want for us, what's missing, what we don't have. We forget about what we want and we want to be grateful. We want to find the light, the love and the lessons and everything. Live with peace and empathy and accountability, the power and control of knowing that we're here to learn lessons in spirit by effectively communicating and appreciating, acknowledging and asking for more. This is what we do. And so adherence is very simple. Remember what you decided to do at the beginning of the day and do it. 
That's adherence. And if you do that every day, if you remember what you want, who you can help, who can help you, how to get it done and prioritize correctly and do it. If you remember and do what you want for you every day, that compound interest, the aggregation and acceleration will create the exponentiality of the positive behaviors of what you want. And you will be promoted and protected, not punished. My goodness. Dave, can I get a, another quick one? Sure. What is one piece of advice you would give today that you wouldn't have either been aware of or given a year ago? <clears throat> to believe that there's a power greater than me, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing being that loves me more than I love my own children, and that you need to believe that. You, what, you, need, you need to believe. I wouldn't have told people that. I would what say, twisted that for you, Dave? What was the occurrence that made you believe that? It was a, a, an aggregation of, of occurrences where in the analysis of the law of gravity, the law of Goya, and the law of attraction, in the analysis of pain as an indicator, setback failures, mistakes being an opportunity to learn a lesson, uh, I started to realize what is the context in which I believe that all mistakes, failures, setbacks, and pain are promoting me to a better place, a better posi position. I just have to find the light, the love, and the lesson in the pain, setback, failure, et cetera, and I will continually aggregate and accelerate and exponentially receive what I want. But without faith, that there's an omniscient, all-knowing source so that when something happens in my life that wasn't planned, that seems to be completely counterintuitive to what I want and counterproductive to what I want, that faith accelerates, creates the rapid and accurate manifestation of something better every single time. And why not have faith in the fact that it must be just in asking and everything as if my 11-year-old son would ask me for something and if it's good for him, I'm going to give it to him. But if he's trying to stick his hand into the stove, I'm going to slap his hand and scream at him. He's going to think I'm punishing him, but what am I really doing? Protecting him and promoting him and teaching him to a better place, a better position or a better situation. So I believe that that relationship exists like mine with my children with an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing source, not an ignorant, arrogant source like me or an ignorant, humble source, which is sometimes me, but an all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient source so that I can have full faith that creates this complete balance and clarity that I just have to continue to appreciate what I have acknowledge it by giving it away and asking for more, just like I want my children to do from me. I want them to appreciate everything they have. I want them to acknowledge it by allowing it to go away, leave it, give it away, not accumulate and create all types of resistance. But then most importantly, after they've appreciated and expanded their vessel to ask me for more, ask me for more, and I'll gladly give it if it's what I believe, and I'm not omniscient, I'll gladly give them what I believe will help promote them and protect them. The difference is I don't know everything, so I can just do my best, learn lessons, and have fun myself. Woo! Dave, 
are we done or we have time? You, you can have one more and then we'll get the, the Q&A for Clubhouse and IG. We'll get it rolling. What do you got, Al? Um, so my question for you is, is you remind me of someone who um, genuinely has, has not only learned how to manifest really well, but has always had a strong belief in their own ability to do whatever they set their mind to, even to the extent of like, again, potentially playing in the NFL or, or a collegiate athlete when maybe you weren't blessed with as many uh, physical gifts as some of the other players. So where did that self-belief come from in hindsight, do you believe? And why don't more people believe in themselves the way that you do? So I think initially I was motivated by fear and scarcity uh, to do my best. Mm -hmm. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. I was driven, you know, with a desire that I must be what I can be financially. And the, you know, misperception that quantum talent that I had would take me to the NFL and I'd be a rich football player and buy my mom a house and a car from the time I was five years old started to teach me adherence. And the reality of being an average division three college football player in the end taught me a great lesson that the lesson of being an average division three college football player still today may be the closest I've come to my potential uh, of any, because I haven't been in all aspects of my life, consistent, persistent in the pursuit as I was for those, you know, 17 years, 17 years, every single day that dream was alive. And I was doing my best with that desire. And when I was able to apply that adherence, to things that I quantumly were better at. This is what drove me and the results that I was getting and the lessons I was learning, which all weren't successful. Remember, I lost over $100 million in 2008. 2006, I hit rock bottom emotionally. I was empty and lost, rich as shit, access to everything, but lost and soulless. And then I remembered and took stock in who I was and what I wanted to become again. Who I was and the lessons that I've learned and what I wanted to become again. And that is what you see today to be able to manifest what you desire rapidly and accurately. All right, boys, I appreciate you giving a classic example of how much you can get out of a short coaching, hot seat coaching session. As always, I appreciate you both. Please email me. I'll give you those five daily practices, david at dmelter.com. Reach out anytime. Any last takeaways for you guys? Just grateful, Dave. Grateful for, for this and uh, always raising our awareness so we can come with better questions and higher level questions next time. You guys are great. How about you, Alan? Uh, same as Kev is thank you for helping us understand things at a deeper level and more importantly, just helping us uh, learn how to be better. That's right. Enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential by adhering to your what, your who, your how, your now. Apply your whys, fellas. And thank you for allowing this personal session to be amplified in the public so other people can learn as well. I appreciate you both. Appreciate you back. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Jakey Bakey, let's reset the room and get some more hot seat coaching. And we'll take some questions from Clubhouse, from online. What do you got? Let's do it, Dave. That was incredible. Can we get a let's flash our mics right there for Kevin and Alan? What incredible questions right there. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. 
And I will quickly reset the room. Happy Friday, everybody. This is the Breakfast with Champions, 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time with David Meltzer. We're doing hot seat coaching today. Feel free to use that plus bar. Invite your friends, family, anyone that you think would benefit from this incredible next 20 minutes or so. So if you'd like to get some hot seat coaching, ask a question of Dave. Feel free to back channel me. Dave will be taking questions as well from his Zoom training he's been doing for over 21 years. So, Dave, why don't we start with a question here on Clubhouse? Let's start with uh, Jay Lissa. Jay Lissa, if you could please unmute yourself and welcome to the Clubhouse. All right. Hello. Um, right now, I'm just listening in. I'm just like taking notes and enjoying the conversation. <laughs> no problem. I'm going to take a, hey, Jakey, I'm going to take a question online and then you can go ahead and bring somebody up, okay? You got it. All right, cool. What's the biggest challenge that you have as a business coach? Ego is always the, the biggest challenge. Uh, the, the biggest challenge of a need to be right, a need to be offended, a need to be separate. Uh, you have to, you know, not only mentor, coach, and teach. But you have to be able to live in radical humility to know what you don't know and be able to answer questions to the best of your ability. But more importantly, find the help, whether it's in coaching by bringing the best out of someone, mentoring by illustrating what experiences you've had, situational knowledge and dummy tax that you paid, or even a teacher to be able to explain and utilize examples and analogies and stories in order to facilitate the coaching and mentoring to help other people, to celebrate other people, to elevate other people. A great business coach is a celebrator, not a celebrity. A great business coach is an elevator. He's and she are there specifically to empower others, to empower others. And the ego is the biggest challenge because we want to be the experts. We want to be needed. We feel as if we, at times, we do know what we're talking about. But I promise you, don't take yourself so seriously. You don't know what you don't know. And when you realize that, now you can do your best, help people by learning lessons, and have a great time doing it. All right, Jake, who do we got on Clubhouse? I think we've got Glenn Lundy, actually. Glenn, are you here? I am here. I am, I am, I am. Can you guys hear me okay? I am. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Meltzer. Mr. Meltzer, you had a little extra passion and fire this morning, sir. I I'm appreciate fired it. Up. I Thank appreciate you. It. Super fired up. I wanted to two things real quick. Um, I wanted to touch on when you were talking about the ass. Dude, last night I took my son to a concert, Casting Crowns concert. And in the intermission, just before the intermission, there was a painter that came up and he did this painting and, and he painted the whole thing. And then he flips it upside down and it's a picture of Jesus, right? Like you couldn't tell what it was until he flipped yeah. it upside down, right? And my son was just fascinated with it. And so we go out to intermission, we're in line to get a drink. And the guy comes walking through with the painting and goes over to his booth for Feed the Hungry Children. And I said to my son, I said, son, go ask him what he's going to do with that painting. And he's like, what? And I'm like, just go ask him. He's on a tour. He's doing a painting every single night. He's not storing these in his garage. Go ask him. And so my son went over and he said, sir, what are you doing with, what do you do with the paintings? And he said, well, you know, I'll, I, we try to sell them, raise a little bit of money. Uh, we take donations, da, 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 da. And so my son was like, I'll give you $100 for it right now, my nine-year-old. <laughs> and the guy goes, he looks at him, he goes, you got $100? My son pulls out his wallet and gives him $100 and takes home this canvas. Now, as he's carrying the canvas around, 
everyone else in the theater is going, oh, you're the kid that got the canvas. You're the kid that got the canvas. And I told him, I said, look, son, everyone in here wanted the painting. You were the only one to ask. You got to ask. Everyone, everyone has the desire, but we got to ask. So I love that you touched on that, Dave. I, I love that. And to, to that point, you know, just to share with people and we want to teach kids to ask, uh, but we need to ask ourselves because I will tell you one of the greatest experiences of my life. I almost let slip by because I didn't ask. And when I asked, I realized it wasn't that big of a deal, uh, which happens a lot of times. Right. And that we just make somebody feel good by asking uh, for something. And, uh, you know, I, I was sitting in the Masamari in an antique plane with the guy who owned the camp and we were flying over the Masamari looking at all these things. And I sat there for 20 minutes, Glenn, thinking to myself, God, I want to fly this plane. My wife's not going to ever let me get a pilot's license. She doesn't <laughs> let me. Like, I, I want to fly this plane. And I was too afraid to ask. Now, meanwhile, this is while I've been coaching people and teaching, asking for And I'm sitting there myself, like the typical hypocrite that I am, like the radically arrogant person that I am. And instead, I went to radical humility and said, let me give this person an opportunity to fulfill one of my bucket list items, which I know is one of the greatest experiences I have in my life whenever I have the opportunity to take someone to the Masters or the Super Bowl or one of these bucket list things that I'm blessed to have access to. I know what that feels like, but yet I'm too afraid to ask. The two things that I've learned that are just, to me, incredibly counterintuitive is number one, we all love to give people and make them feel good. It makes us feel even better, but we're too afraid to allow someone to feel good because we think we're gonna be bothering them or a burden on them. When also, and actually we're elevating and celebrating them by acknowledging the superpower that they have, the access that they have, the knowledge they have, the frequency that they have, and let them share their gift with you, which feels the best. The second one that's counterintuitive is sleep. Because I'm going to keep repeating this to everybody. The majority of the earth goes to bed at night to get rest and they wake up more tired. Does not make sense. you got to practice sleep. Get yourself a mentor, a sleep coach. Go study sleep. Do something. But if you're not waking up at a new plateau and growing from there, if you're living your life as a tube, food in, food out, you got to figure out your sleep and you got to ask. Thank you, G. Lundy. I appreciate you. Hold on, Melter. Before you dismiss yeah. me, I got one question for you. I wanted to okay. say that real quick, and then I had a question, and you were so spot on. My question is, you were just talking about the business coaching, one of the harder things about business coaching uh, on the ego side. You and I, you've been my coach now for uh, a while. We've been, we've been coaching yeah. for over yeah. a year now, I believe. And uh, the question that I had that I thought could be valuable for the room as well is, you, you tell me anyway that you enjoy coaching me so what makes a good coachable student oh that's easy man Ad adherence see the most frustrating thing about a coach is when you feel like you're just taking somebody's money because you're just telling them stuff and they never do anything uh when you see that someone is adhering and learning from you and then teaching you as well, reminding, recollecting what you know, because as you know, as a great coach yourself, half the time I'm coaching, I'm taking notes of what I'm talking about and saying, man, that's a good idea, Dave, you should really do that. Um, and so I'm constantly accelerating myself, but by far the best coachable clients are the ones that adhere to the lessons that you're sharing. 
Um, and, you know, for me to see the results, uh, like you, you know, if we took a snapshot of when we started coaching and started teaching and talking about the what, the who, the how, the now, and applying your why, and you look at your health, your wealth, your worthiness, and your happiness, the exponential progress that you've made, the promotion and protection that you've received, to me, is the ultimate happiness that I receive. To see that adherence and the results uh, and learn from you, man, I just... It makes my heart sing, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm blessed to have a wait list of clients, but when I'm interviewing them to take them off the wait list, I'm looking specifically to adherence because if they can't remember what I said or do it, we're not going to get anywhere, and I don't need the money. I need to create people who can create other people to be happy. Love that, Dave. Love that. And the last thing I'll say is PTR. Everybody pull to refresh. Pull, uh, pull down from the top real quick. And Dave, check out that picture right there. I just want Mike Mamula, Mamula to see that picture right there up in the corner of my uh, Matrix avatar right there. Nice. <laughs> I see it. I see it. I see it. Nice. <laughs> I love you guys, man. Thank you. You know what? And, and thank you, Glenn. And, you know, that uh, Matrix NFT deal uh, just to be included and for people, you know, you don't know where it comes from, but uh, when you do good deeds, you're being kind to your future self and people just, you know, they think of you when there's something good going on. And Glenn, I just want to thank you for, you know, remembering me uh, with the Warner Brothers NFTs that came out and uh, it's turned into a financial blessing. Uh, and I appreciate you, you giving to me. So thank you. Love you guys. Love you. Back to you, Jakey Bakey. <laughs> All right, Jake. Yeah, let's go. Thanks, Glenn. Dave, do you want to do a question on Zoom training or a question on Clubhouse? I'll take a question off of the line and then we'll bring someone else new up, okay? You got it. We'll bring up Carmelia on after. Okay, sounds great. Um, what's the greatest uh, – I kind of answer that one, sorry. Um, if you could tell your dad anything, what would it be? I tell him four things, and I'm trying to do this without choking up. Um, but I number one – I would tell him I'm happy. Two, I would tell him I'm healthy. Three, I would tell him I love him. And four, I would tell him I appreciate him, meaning he's added so much value uh, to my life. And as a father, I was blessed to be with Steve Jones, uh, Jerry Jones' son, and he's 50, the same age as I am. And I asked him a similar question, and he came up with an answer in tears uh, about how much he appreciated and loved his father for the happiness and health that he experienced. And I sat there thinking, man, if someday my son, when he's 50 years old, talks about me <clears throat> the way that Steve Jones talks about Jerry Jones, I've done my job, and I would, without crying, tell my dad, you did your job. I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, appreciate you, and love you. Thank you. All right, Jake, who's next? All right, Dave. Yeah, next up, we've got Carmelia Ray. Welcome to the clubhouse, Carmelia. Oh, my goodness. So, welcome. Thank you. I'm tearing up from what David just shared because I lost my father January 7th, 2020. And, and 
That was just so moving. Um, David, I had the privilege of watching you give your talk at the Thrive event in Vegas, and you shared your 12 powerful life lessons. I was fascinated by everything, wrote all the points. Um, I, I'm obviously in the relationship and media space, and what I wanted to ask, in the time when you were married, and I don't know if you're in the same marriage or second marriage, but you yeah, no, shared- Yeah, same, same marriage, yep, still, still 24 years. Because we're now in the middle of, you know, the pandemic really highlighted challenges. And in the relationship space, the man that you were before your wife said, I'm leaving you or she had enough. I would just like to ask, because a lot of people who are in couple partnerships are trying to break through to that partner and they don't know how to communicate. What was it that had to shift for you? Like, what was that aha moment? And if somebody is dating or married to somebody that they feel like they really can't get through to, is it now to say, hey, um, this isn't lasting, I'm leaving, like after you've done everything? So I would just love to know what was it that had you shift. Um, and congratulations on maintaining and keeping your marriage. That's very, very inspiring because a lot, and 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 that's all. How did you, how do you resolve that um, after you've put you know, a partner through that. And I'm sure everybody has these situations where they're debating whether they stay in it or leave. That's my question. Yeah, great question. And so I have a philosophy about this. May It's my opinion that the more each individual has learned to love themselves, the better the relationship would be. See, my wife was at peace. She is an extraordinary I, I picked right you know and i attracted right and, and the problem in our relationship is that i didn't love myself i hated myself i was a liar a cheater a manipulator an overseller and back-end seller and i lived in liability of blame shame and justification and utilized money as a mask of my happiness by buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. And when I took stock in who I was, as my wife suggested, when she told me I was going to end up dead and she didn't want to be around to see the destruction that laid in front of me. When I took stock in myself, I realized, you know, wow, I, I need to learn to love myself. I need to live with faith. I need to live in gratitude. I need to live with forgiveness in my heart, accountability, not liability. And I need to learn to effectively communicate what's inside of me with her and through that great source of faith that I had. And it didn't happen overnight. You know, 2006 was my rock bottom. I lost over a hundred million dollars, 2008, two years later but I adhered to my values and they kept aggregating and exponentially growing. And it's funny that you brought up relationships because I lied in bed last night thinking about, I've never loved my wife more. Never. I fell in love with her in fourth grade. She skateboarded by my house. There was a natural quantum connection but I have never loved my wife more. And then I thought to myself, I've never loved myself more. I can't give what I don't have. 
I give meaning to everything I see. I can't find outside of me in a relationship that I don't have inside of me. And the statistical side, the pragmatic side is if two people both take that perspective and look with inside and heal the traumas and heal the insecurities and identify the triggers and all the different work that I've done over the last 16 years in order to effectuate a love for myself that's greater and greater, plateauing and growing each day. And the same true with my wife. What occurs is tremendous. And it's not just in the intimate relationships, it's in all relationships, which is why we want to surround ourselves with people that feed us, not that bleed us. We want to surround ourselves with those people so that we can share what we have and gain even more. And that is the paradigm shift of learning to love me so that I could learn to love others and give what I had. And now today, I encourage everyone to find those people in their lives to share what's inside of them. Thank you for uh, the great question, by the way. Thank you, David. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna share that clip. Uh, and just a tiny, tiny follow-up, if you wouldn't mind, and I know you were so in-depth, like we, and this may be longer or so, is it that you, were you comparing yourself when you said you didn't love yourself and you were so driven? Was that driving you to do all those other things? Was that your, your drive? Uh, yeah, I was attaching my emotions to a financial outcome. I was defining myself by my bank account. I, you know, was completely lost uh, with my relationship to the currency of money, to that object of energy. I was, you know, utilizing this outcome uh, to fool myself into some sort of worse. Um, and once I realized I didn't have to go get more wealthy, healthy, worthy, or or happy that I already was, I decided to figure out what I was doing to interfere with it. That's when my life really changed. Thank you. And thank you, Jake. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, Jake, I'm going to take a question online and we'll take one more question uh, on Clubhouse, okay? Let's do it. All right. What do you consider to be your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is my need to be offended. Uh, unfortunately, if you have the need to be offended, it's a great interference between you and what you are vibrationally supposed to be matching with. And uh, it's so easy to feed. That, that's why it's my biggest weakness. You know, you have a need to be offended, just walk outside. It, it, it'll feed itself. And so I'm consistently, even with the knowledge, the wisdom and enlightenment about this weakness, I still suffer from it every day. And my only solution is to spend minutes and moments getting back to center, coming out of that need in order to facilitate what I want, who I can help, who can help me, how I'm going to get it done and applying the prioritization of doing it now and then applying my why. All right, Jake, we got time for one more person. Who's it going to be? I think we've got Alexander Gonzalez to close us out. Alexander, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask your question. Yes, sir. I love this segment. So, David, first off, it was awesome meeting you at the Grow for Business, Grow for, Business for God's Sakes conference. Um, having lunch with you and Jake was so awesome. My question is this. You said something that really, like, shook me. You talked about radical humility. And the power of the ask actually comes when you're able to radically humble yourself in order to do, you know, the actual ask. How do you find that you are able to get into the state of radical humility when we're oftentimes found to be in the state of uh, a radical pride? Oh, yeah. A radical arrogance. Uh, so the first is to come to the acknowledgement that we're all ignorant. 
uh, we're all ignorant. And there's two types of ignorance. One is that arrogant ignorance where we think we know what we know or we actually are worse. You know, we tell people we know what we know or we're certain that we know what we know. There's for sure the need to be right and offended and separate. And then there's this other ignorance that creates the humility. And so I've created what I call rule number six uh, to remind myself, remember and recollect my ignorant humility so that I know that I'm here in a three-step process to, if I appreciate what I have, I add value to it and it expands. If I acknowledge it, I let it go, let it leave, give it away, whatever, but it has to be removed. You don't know what you have until it's gone. So it has to get gone. But then in order to refill that vessel, the larger vessel, so it doesn't dissipate, dissolve and constrict upon itself, you need to ask for more. And the radical humility of telling yourself, I really, I have surrendered. I don't know what I don't know. I'm just going to do my best, learn lessons and have fun and allow the Maximus to come to me because I have faith that I'm being promoted and protected at all times. And that humility has to do with identifying fear that there isn't enough. You have to identify fear that people are attacking you or judging you or worried about what other people want or what other people are thinking or what you don't want or what's missing instead of reminding, recollecting and remembering with radical humility that just ask for what you want. But you got to know what you want, who you can help, who can help you and how to get it done. But you got to be able to utilize radical humility. Rule number six says don't take yourself so seriously. That's the key. All right. We nailed it right at 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern time. This has been Hot Seat Coaching. Anyone that wants any of those documents or help, david at dmeltzer.com. Please uh, reach out. I am of service and of value. My name actually means beloved servant. So use me. Thank you, Jake. Close out the room. Thank you, Dave, a.k.a. the beloved servant. Incredible hour of power. As Dave mentioned, feel free to email him, david at dmeltzer.com. Incredible questions, Kevin and Alan and Glenn Lundy and all the incredible people that joined. Thank you so much. Have an incredible rest of your week and weekend, and we will see you all next Friday here on The Breakfast with Champions. So, Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.